Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Shay and the Good People. I am Shay, Shayna Blass. I am wrapped up in my shawl um, because it's cold in the studio here. We are in Savarius Studios, uh, coming to you from Bedsty, Brooklyn. And I've never said that in any intro of like where we are. I'm talking to Josh, also Josh Allen, producer on the show. <laughs> I have assigned him producer on the show. Uh, sets up, runs the equipment, so and runs the show and records the show for me. So thank you so much, Josh. Also haven't thanked you yet in the intro because I'm a fucking asshole. <sighs> I need to atone for my sins. But Jews, Jews, we only have one day to do that, so I gotta wait till September. Um, <laughs> but I just had a really fucking awesome... I have a really cute, like, crop turtleneck, but it's it's too cold to show it off. I didn't really talk into the mic and say that, but um, I just had a really great interview with Emily Jean Brown. It was really fun. I had Emily on the show in June 2022, and it was a cancellation. I'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Of It happens all the time. It's still, it's never easy. It's never frustrating. And I get so bitter when I, anyone ever drops my shows, even though I've had to do that before. I, obviously, I try not to. I think a lot of us creatives try not to drop shows, but it is New York City and it is the nature of it. Sometimes we just get a really good gig last minute and we have to drop something else. But, and I need to work on my resentment and my issues with that. Um, I think I've gotten a lot better over the years the more you just do shows. It's not as bad as comedy shows, I think, doing, producing a music show. I think it's a little bit more common <laughs> and expected for comics not to, sh to show up just because there's so many shows and so many opportunities and the trains fucking suck late at night and that's when you're doing shows. So it's all understandable. I am working on not being angry about it or, or you know what it's not even anger because what's the layer under anger is sadness and being disappointed so I'm actually it's actually hitting that thorn in me of oh they don't care about me they don't think I'm good they don't want to be on my show but it comes out at a even worse frequency where it's just like oh, well well, fuck them I'll never have them on my show again so I'm working on that and also who fucking cares about having them on my show my show's once a month and like it tiny and it doesn't even matter even if a million people came to my shows I don't need to think that it's uh, it's just the ego gets in the way but we all know that um so anyways the interview was about me more about her about the guest about the good person on my show Emily Jean Brown everyone who's been on the show has been really good but and not but and Emily and I really talked a lot about it's funny because it's coming up in my life too of like routine and wanting to get back into the routine of being an artist and being a creative and it's really something you have to nurture it's something you have to think of as a garden and sit down and the muse and it's we live in New York City for a reason we live in Brooklyn for a reason because there's so many opportunities here and so many talented people and so many options and opportunities for inspiration but you just can't do it all. You just literally can't do it all. You don't have the energy. You, I'm on the G train, off the G train. So like <laughs> there's only so many places I want to go past 10 p.m. when there's no service. So I would love to give myself like a, like a car budget. Like 
make enough money. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a hundred, 150, $200. This is insane to think about that. I have this extra cash, but like into a car sharing app. So then like, if I do want to take a late night, you know, go see a bunch of shows, then I'm like, Oh, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to take three trains back. But also this is the place that I'm at in my life. And sometimes you just got to do that. Bring a book, Shana, bring a fucking book and take the train home. Um, but I've been really wanting to be more intentional about my routine. It's not going to be consistent, the same thing every morning, but I do want it to be something. And Emily and I talk about that of like creating the space for the creativity, for the muse to pop in. We talk about Rick Rubin. Um, we talk about just acknowledging the things that we are not doing and being compassionate with ourselves. And I selfishly ask her about love as well and she just got married which I think is a beautiful thing and a little bit about being a woman in the industry and being a musician and or which I certainly don't consider myself a musician um I guess by like singing maybe but definitely not like guitar player music like a m instrument musician but like a singer vocalist and what that looks like to be a woman in the space of being an artist um, a little bit about how she grew up and it just, it was a really nice conversation getting to know her. And also if you are curious about what else you want to add into, if you're interested in expanding your spiritual life and I'm not talking about spirituality and religion, I'm talking about the relationship you have with yourself and the relationship you have to distractions and the relationships you have to feeling good. That's really what I mean by spirituality. I really, really think you're going to like this episode. I hope that you fall in love with Emily Jean Brown. And here we go. Morning glory. Greet the sun. I always knew you were the one. In the evening, curl and shine. And the good people, I am Shay, a.k.a. Shayna Blast, and I am here with Emily Jean Brown. Woo! 
Hello. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you so much for having me on <laughs> and in the pod. Absolutely. I feel it, very held by the pod. Thank you. That's what we try to do here. <laughs> we try to invite you in and then hold on to you mm. until uh, you have to leave after the interview, right. of course. Um, <laughs> um, and thank you so much for being on Shane and the Good People. We had you on the June 6th show of okay. Shane and the Good People. Yes. Do you remember June 2022? I Do you remember could June? not have told you what date that was, but I had a wonderful time and it yeah. was delightful to meet you then and play with you. And it was a great night. Yeah. And also you, you talked about it on, on stage too, but we, we grandmothered you in because I had somebody drop that right. night and I messaged Rose Stoller and I was like, I need somebody for the show. And she gave me your name mm -hmm. and... I mean, and you say and the good people, I'm like, we got some really good people. And you came up and you were like, you don't really know me. You don't know if I'm a good person <laughs> or not. But I knew I could tell I could feel the energy. You are a very good person. Emily. Aww, so thank, thank you. you for being here. So I, um, I probably said this in the intro, but Shane, the good people is a show I host at Pete's candy store uh, once a month. And I always have a couple singer songwriters on there and we're doing this pod so that I can just find out more about the people who are on the show because I kind of got to a point when I started the show that I ran out of friends like people that I actually know and like ran out of like people I knew a lot about even but that's what's great about it is I just wanted a space where I could have new people new music and also who doesn't like gigs on the books absolutely you know, gigs and on the books. a gig that someone else is Oh, organizing. Isn't that I mean, so, what a gift. So nice. Thank you. When I'm for sitting doing that. down at the show, I'm like, oh, I just want to do somebody else's show for <laughs> once. But I do. I get those opportunities too. Um, but I don't, we don't really know each other that much. We were talking a lot before this, before the interview. But yeah. I, I kind of always just start off with like, where are you from? Where were you birthed? Where did you come out of the womb? The and specific location. Please, yeah. What was the hospital room number? <laughs> um, and also, where are you from? And when did you get a guitar in your hand? Mm. Well, I'm from a town called Sebastopol, California. Whoa. Yeah, that's not where I was born. I was actually born in Oakland at Kaiser Permanente Hospital. That's exactly what I wanted to know. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> Getting the facts straight here, people. Kaiser Permanente. But I had that insurance for really? a while. Yeah, it, wow. was, it was stressful. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of fancy. Really? Yeah. It was not fancy Wait, you had Kaiser insurance? Insurance. I didn't, I didn't know they had their own insurance. They do. Wow. Don't get it. Okay, it I was, won't. It was like right before I was 26. I think I had gotten on my mom... Uh, like when she kicked me out of her house, it was like, you don't get any, like you're not, you're no phone plan, like no uh, insurance plan. I think I was 22. And so I like wow. got on my dad's insurance through his work and it was Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> but it's one of those things where like, if you want a service, you have to go to one building and right. everything is there, but you have to go to one waiting room. Right. And that waiting room was just full mm. of very, very, ill folks including oh, myself and i had a lot of utis that summer so i had i was at kaiser permanente a so lot. kaiser does not have a, a positive connotation for you <laughs> not but me. it is where i was birthed now which I is what you asked i feel better about it yeah and, and i asked you a question that i talked about myself That's so okay. go on so kaiser so i was born there we really did an ad for kaiser here uh <laughs> yeah. maybe i don't know uh but i was born in oakland my parents moved to 
the town of Sebastopol, which is in Sonoma County, uh, okay. about an hour and a half north of San Francisco. So uh -huh. wine country, the say. North Bay area. That's where I grew up when I was, I, uh -huh. I moved there when I was three years old. We moved there. And you I started drinking wine. I, <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Interesting connection with the wine. Um, no, I did not drink wine at three, but, um, but it is definitely a part of the place that I call home for uh -huh, sure. Uh -huh. The culture there. Um, but yeah, we lived in the same house for 17 years. My parents moved. Now they're in a town called Petaluma, which is a little closer to the city, to San Francisco. Cool. And yeah, that's, that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up in Northern California. And I got a guitar in my hand to answer the second part of your question. Mm -hmm. When I was about 14 or 15, oh, nice. I started getting... I don't remember exactly what prompted me to want to write songs or kind of learn guitar, but I had always been a singer and I had started taking classical voice lessons when I was about 12. Okay. And then I started getting into sort of folk music and singer songwriters. And I think I got the idea to want to learn guitar and start writing songs. And so my uncle, Jason, who's a musician, um, kind of, uh, helped my parents pick a guitar for me. And then it was a Christmas present one year. So that, cool. and that first acoustic guitar that I played on at, I think 15 is actually the acoustic guitar I still play on, which maybe I should update it. It's, but it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice starter instrument that I've kind of hung on to. And so that's, I mean, that's beautiful though. Yeah. That's a relationship. It is. That's like a friend and a confidant and a lover of sorts of like, a companion, I would mm -hmm. say, that you've had from 15 to now. Yeah. Do you and still write songs on it? I do. I do. Cool. I actually have a song about the guitar. <gasps> so it's, oh. it's a little bit of a, yeah, it's a little bit of an origin story. And I kind of talk about in the song the journey from when I first got the guitar and sort of the purity of that relationship that you just mentioned <gasps> and then sort of like dropping it for a while and kind of, you guys you know, broke up. We kind of broke up. We had a moment <laughs> where it was like, oh, I don't really talk to you very often. And yeah. then and then kind of coming back and sort of what that journey looked like through the guitar's perspective in a Whoa. way. Yeah. That's cool. That's giving me like Toy Story vibes <laughs> totally. in some way. Yeah, it, like, it has that sort of like heart wrenching quality to it for yeah, sure. Of like Andy or you've got a friend in Absolutely. me or like seeing Andy grow up mm -hmm. and then, but then he comes back to it. I mean, sucks for toys because like we're not going back to those but like you can come back to the guitar <laughs> that's really really beautiful I yeah I've always felt that and I dated a one time I dated like a very well-known like metal guitar player and like taught Whoa. lessons and has a very very intense relationship with the guitar but like but like and I tried to I'm always trying to be like but what's the deeper meaning and tried to crack that like what's your emotional relationship mm. with your electric guitar? And like, that's your life. Like mm -hmm. you are known for having like, without this thing in your hand, it's not like you say, not like he's saying or anything, mm -hmm. but I was like, that's gotta be really intense and powerful. And he was like, no, <laughs> like, that's, that's okay. interesting. I mean, we that reminds me of like, you know, how some people relate 
to instruments through men. Some I'm just people, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I should have just said men. Sorry, no, 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 it's no, true. no. We're not. We're not just. But I don't. No, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to. Obviously, pigeonhole all men into that category. <laughs> but I have found that it that there's something about, especially like the elect the electric guitar and the sort of um, culture of you know gearheads and mm, like mm-hmm. the the way that that you know at least in my experience my way into like working with instruments and being with instruments is very much about storytelling and singing mm-hmm. and yeah. and and like my background as a performer and like wanting to tell a story and like be in an experience and it really doesn't have to do with like the, the technical side of things. It's like not yeah. what I get into. Although now I'm learning more about that and it's, it's cool, but it's, it is interesting to kind of think about how like certain male musicians, the way they connect with each other too is through that lens of like, let's talk gear. Yeah. And I find that fascinating because I do not relate to that and I don't say that in like a negative way like they shouldn't be doing that it's just been an interesting thing to negotiate especially with my husband who's a huge guitar nerd and like synth nerd and is Mm. very passionate about that stuff and I'm learning about it and I'm interested in it but it's like the my way in is so from another side totally and so yeah it's interesting to think about that yeah it's cool to have both but also to know is it is it too on the nose to be like and we are talking gender here like we are talking men and women but like is it too on the nose to be like yeah but that's how potentially like a feminine masculine energy would relate to music in a sure maybe in like a traditional definition of of those sort of gendered energies if we can or you know I always I I always wonder cuz I do relate to that hardcore like that makes sense to me but I also feel hesitant to sort of like define things on that sort of binary spectrum. I know we can't, it's, 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 it's hard to, it's not isolating at like, it is hard to talk about that without feeling like I don't want to isolate anybody. And so I think about it of energy of like, right. what is like a, a, a softness and anyone who's any gender can have right. soft or hard or uh like kind of a competitiveness versus sort of more universal or yeah yeah and maybe that's a better way of doing it of like technical versus intuitive right there Mm -hmm. we go yeah like a a deep inner knowing of like what music what your intention with music is Mm -hmm. and it doesn't you're right it doesn't have to be gendered it doesn't have to be like this gender thinks about music in this way because obviously we're just two people. We happen to be and women talking about women, it. And as women, you and I both have experienced that there is sometimes like a gendered experience of that right. that gets put into those spaces that I do think at times, I mean, there are times when I'm with my own husband and with our community of friends or like with him and a friend and they get into the gear thing mm-hmm. and it's like... You feel isolated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. in that That's conversation fair, yeah. and he knows that and yeah. so he tries to be conscious of that and like That's not true. go too far, you know, when I'm there that like, oh, we're having this gear moment right now and Emily is like not involved yeah but she's a musician and she cares about things we care about but it's like it's so interesting yeah and it's not the first conversation that i've had here with a female musician like identified female musician Mm -hmm. who it just comes up like being an artist and being in spaces with men who are also artists from different angles of like 
people, the way people ask about our music or Mm -hmm. the way people ask about what we do. And then like a follow-up question, which I always think is like beyond gender. It's just like where if someone is asking you a question of like, oh, do you play music? Oh, what do you play guitar? Oh, okay. So you're like a singer songwriter. You can hear in their Mm -hmm. tone whether they are happy with themselves and what they are doing in their (laughs) lives or whether they're like, oh, cool. I love community. And I love like, please tell me more about what you're doing. Um, But I also think being uh, specifically being a female guitar player is Mm -hmm. a very specific, um, you get very specific reactions or you feel welcomed or not welcomed very clearly in spaces. Maybe that's too dramatic. No, I think that's accurate. I I mean, and even as you say that, like I would never, I, I call myself a musician because I am a musician. I'm Mm -hmm. extremely musical. I have a musical ear. I have music training, but I, I wouldn't identify as a guitarist. Like, because I, because (laughs) I hang out with guitarists who like have committed to playing that instrument in a way where I'm like, that's not, I play guitar and I can, it supports my music making, but I wouldn't identify myself as a guitarist. And that's also maybe problematic because I do play guitar. So it's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's very interesting. This is stuff that I wasn't even, these dynamics were not present for me until much more recently in my creative journey, because Mm. I really didn't identify as a musician formally until like maybe the past like five years or so. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I, I identified as a singer. I was an actor, as you know, my training is in theater and, uh, you know, I had done some songwriting, but I hadn't claimed that identity in any kind of formal way until I really started getting more involved with music community here in Brooklyn. And that didn't happen until the last five years or so. Yeah. And to be fair, so much respect for guitar players like people who are absolutely <laughs> who know how to play guitar Blows because <laughs> I do not I'm an absolute shit guitar player <laughs> no, I can only play my songs and like maybe landslide and that's <laughs> yeah that's all you need really yeah. you know and that's it and like I just use it as a vehicle to assist myself and also like didn't start playing guitar until 2020 because I had nothing to do yeah. and typically I would just have the band or hire a guitar player mm-hmm. and so like I hope that none of this comes off as like, I don't know, me shitting on people right. who are not artists or musicians or who have a different like gender dynamic within music with artistry. It's just it's so layered, very layered. And I'm very, very in awe and have so much respect for guitar players. And coming back to what you just said of like being able to identify oneself as a songwriter. One of the questions I wrote down is, and you said you'd started to write songs like around 14, 15 when you've got your first guitar, Mm -hmm. but like, was there, the question is, was there a learning curve to songwriting for you? Like, was there a, a moment in time where you really had to give yourself permission to like, I'm a songwriter and like these songs are, this is a song Mm. and I'm going to just trust and put it out into the world that like this is a song and I can do this Mm, that's a really interesting question as you're asking me that question I think it's a continual learning curve for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. I don't think that it has reached any kind of completion I think it's been like an ongoing process that was interrupted by many years where I just wasn't 
engaging with it as much. Although it's interesting when I think back, like I definitely was writing songs in college sporadically, mm-hmm. you know, like I did it and I was like, oh, I want to do this. And but I think when I first started, it was just kind of like I was coming out of the identity that I was holding as a young person, as a quote unquote good singer. And so I sort of had this sense of I'm allowed to sing in public and people like it. So I I feel that. So even if I, even if the song I write is like not amazing, like I'm a, I'm a, people want to hear me sing. And I sort of had that confidence of like a young kid that's been sort of patted on the head for being a talented kid. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's and also you are a talented you. singer. Yeah, thank you. Um, I that's a whole other pathology of like identity as a singer and how that shifts over time. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> which I'm sure you relate to. I want to hear about that yeah. too. But I, I guess just to say that you know I took a songwriting class in high school that was actually offered in high school with other people. Talk about the sort of male you know the gender dynamic and the and the guitarist thing and there were like band boys in that songwriting class and then there was also this girl who was like in a trio with her mom and sister who got semi-famous when she was in high school who was like a country singer who was at my high school and like there was just all this stuff going on and I was like wow my songs are kind of like sweet and like not that great but I think I wasn't overthinking it at that point I was just like I want to do this yeah we have like young like young people confidence yeah exactly I look back at some of the things I did when I was 14 15 and I was like how where did that fearlessness go yeah like I was I so didn't give a fuck I mean I think it was yeah I think neither did I yeah well maybe I gave a a little bit of a fuck but I I certainly I I relate to that for sure like the just that feeling of like I'm allowed to be here. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I thought I was like, but ugly. I knew that much, but I was still like, I'm going to audition for every single show in high school and like choir. And then I'm going to like do like every talent show or whatever, like some of that. And maybe it's just like, cause you didn't have to pay any bills yet. So like your mind was able to be like, that's cool. certainly part of it. You're not like existing in the context of capitalism yet. You're like <laughs> yeah. still being cared for yeah. by your parents. <laughs> yeah. And so you're of. just not kind emotionally, of like, but right. But you're but. just, yeah, right. You're going to, Oh yeah, possibly not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I think that for me, the learning curve with songwriting, like it really settled in for me to be honest, like around 2018, 2019, when I started, deciding after being a, a kind of a gig singer for a couple friends in Brooklyn and being around musicians and being around music and singing again in a serious way and like getting together in people's living rooms and harmonizing and just being like, damn, I really need to be singing mm-hmm. and I really need to be making music. And I've always wanted to be a songwriter and I never like really gave my all to it. And so that was a moment where I sort of gave myself permission and I knew that what I needed to do was just totally ditch any kind of filter or imposter syndrome that I had being around a lot of people who Mm. were like what I would call like talented musicians, like they were very talented musicians and to be able to like give myself permission to count myself among them or give myself the the go-ahead to say, like, I'm allowed to Mm -hmm. be in this community and, like, write my own stuff. The song is called Nina. Want to get back to it, I can feel the stars. 
puts her fingers through my hair And in the silence the voices are so much louder still They're calling out my name and beckoning me dipping in I keep saying dipping in I've, I've been really ab- dip. dipping, dipping lots of dipping um, <laughs> I've been really absorbing a lot of there's been like a cultural moment of Rick Rubin the producer yeah, and yeah. I've been I like watched the do- yeah, the Shangri-La documentary that came out a few years ago which I totally loved and cool. I am in the middle of listening to his podcast with Ezra Klein and mm-hmm. There's just something Did about he, book? he just had a book come out. I think the, the creative act, the creative act, yeah. a way of being, I think is what <sighs> it's called. And he's just like very, he, to talk, go back to, we were talking about mindfulness before and he, yes. his whole thing is about like creating the sort of energetic space and the circumstance, the container for which, through which the creative channel can happen. And he really believes that mm-hmm. all human beings, what we are is a, creative channel or like a physical you know container that can translate something that's outside of us and that we all actually have access to that but that artists maybe are like a little more sensitive to it or they've just chosen it or Mm -hmm. they have some tools that help them to access it and so I'm just really I'm really swimming in that right now and really you know wanting to allow myself to be in that sort of like permission to be a channel and to not think of the idea of I'm an artist, not being so tied to the, I am an artist identity. Cause I think that when we are in this creative or in this artist culture of like having to kind of put your stake in the ground and say like, I'm an artist and that's who I am and that you get your identity really tied to that. Mm. It actually gets more in your way with, for me, it, it's gotten in my, at, th- at this point in my life, it's gotten in my way in terms of letting that creative flow just exist. Cause it's like, well, what does this mean? What's going to happen with this song? How am I going to sell this? Are people going to like this? How do I Capitalism. package this? Right. <laughs> Which like, yes, uh, yes. I, I interrupted you, but um, no, no, all good. Have you ever read The War of Art? Mm -mm. I would really, really, really highly suggest that to you and anyone out there. It also is, it made me think of it when, um, and I've heard, like, listened to a couple of podcasts with Rick and I really want to read that book. But like, The War of Art, I haven't read it in a while, so don't come for me. But but what I remember from the book is like, it's about the muse. Yeah. And it's about like, the muse is there. The songs are there. You actually just have to sit down yep. or get into a space and like, let it be channeled. Right. And we, and, and just to go back, it's like the thing that I'm also grappling with right now is just living in a world full of so much distraction and really <laughs> yeah. struggling. Like truly the last few days, yeah. my husband is on tour right now. And so I've been in the apartment alone and I, I truly have like a social media problem. Like mm. I have, I have yeah. truly been angry with myself for the amount of scrolling that I will do and it's Mm -hmm. like it's just it's just sad it's like disappointing to me because I'm like damn I'm just it's it's so difficult even for someone like me who is like an embodiment 
practitioner and guide, you know, and who like cares about presence and mindfulness and breath and being in my body, it's actually so difficult to just truly allow yourself to to sit and mm. not do anything. Yeah. And that is sort of what that type of creative channeling I think requires. And I find that even when I'm trying to practice that, I will like get a little hit of something and get it down and kind of be like, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, that's good. I, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. It's just so hard to stay with it. Yeah. And I am really interested in how can I deepen my ability to stay with it longer and to allow myself to like not be producing the whole time that I'm with it just to be until the thing comes and then something comes and then I don't go away. I stay with it and I see where it goes. That's something that I'm really interested in working on this year. Yeah. Practice, mm -hmm. of course, like you're doing it. And then also you don't have to shit all over yourself and be <laughs> like, I'm so mad at myself that I was on social media today. Right. Like it's, it's hard like that, like the expectations we put on ourselves to, to like, do the thing that will help us be creative too. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. it's because we know our own potential and yeah. like part of moving through, like giving ourselves permission to do it is like now do it really well right. and do it now and do it all the time. And you have to be good at it all the time. But it is such a process and distractions. And I keep reminding myself when I'm really working on self-forgiveness and like so much self-compassion I'm mm. doing lots of I think maybe a lot of us are doing a lot of inner child work mm -hmm. I know that's like a buzzword <laughs> but like uh being being distracted and and being also I'm also like in a relatively new relationship and having like attachment styles come up and mm -hmm. being very like trying to balance what am I scared of and like why am I not like focusing so much on like my music and the things that I need to do and mm -hmm. like why am I like am I spending too much time doing like doing this other thing that's a relationship that I really like and mm -hmm. it's what I've wanted for a long time um so like wherever the distraction is being able to come back and like soothe myself that that's been helpful I haven't been creating a lot but mm -hmm. like I don't know I feel like I'm I'm kind of not really speaking clearly but i i really feel what you're saying in terms of how to get that thing out which maybe that's not the right language to get it out to just like let it exist or let flow flow yeah. is like the word and i'm always like how the fuck do i get flow faster mm. at, or, and sustainable <laughs> right. how can i get into flow faster more flow more more yeah. turn the turn the faucet hurry on. up yeah. like get come on flow and then don't on, leave flow. right I know. which is the opposite of like what flow is when there's like the need and the resistance and the holding on to like, it's gotta be this way. And like, why am I not, why is it not fucking working? It's worked before. And mm. I've written a really good song before and mm. it just flowed out and now it's not. And like <laughs> triggering. But. No, I'm just, I'm just like taking in what you're saying because that is what it feels like when you're in, I had a bunch of moments like this yesterday where it's like, I just was feel you. It's like the, need to be fully human like to express like you said the potential and the the richness of of our existence you know and to be able to channel that it's like we feel it sounds very you know wooey and deep but like the more the older I get the more I'm like wow like this it feels sticky like oh my god like I know this is 
this is wanting to come through me. And when mm. you can't find that passageway or that channel and it's like feeling stuck and you're feeling distracted by very human, you know, what seems like very human mundane kind of daily things. And you're like, no, I want to be in that bigger expansive space that I know I have access to, but I'm struggling to get there. It feels, it feels hard. It's like, it's like we are these, you know, spiritual beings like balls of energy just like moving around in these human yeah these meat suits. <laughs> forms yeah. in the world and negotiating the world that we're in and that is what art making is right and we're so fucking lucky that we got this oh my god yeah like that we, and, and anyone has everyone has access to creativity but like just you and I being songwriters having access to, to sing even is like a spiritual act Yes, to sing, to see someone singing, to see someone in their glory, like producing sound. Mm -hmm. It's been a ritual for, I'm, I feel like as long as humans have been alive Absolutely. and it's really hard to, to not want to do it all the time, at least for me. And I get really sad when I don't have a lot of gigs, but I have to remember like, that's not the, just singing for other people. Right. Isn't the spiritual. Well, act. does that ever happen to you where you're like, you feel like, Oh, I'm sad. Cause I'm not doing this enough, but then you feel like you almost can't find a way to do it. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah. And, and not allowing myself to like singing in my apartment right. is like, that's not the experience. It's not it. Right. It's not it. And or like, like, I'll have it to go back to what we were saying about like the singing pathology and like the sort of journey of the singer and like all yes, the things please. that come yeah. through with that. Like I have moments where I'm like, why am I not writing songs that like showcase my voice more or why am I not I need a channel so that I can actually like sing into the fullness of what I am capable of as a singer not not to like show off but like to have that kind of experience yeah 100%. and then I'm like oh but you know I'm like I need to sing like I need to go sing opera you know and I'm, I'm like <laughs> yeah. I haven't like sung a high C and like a, you know whatever it's like yeah. I feel that feeling and I'm like well I could just sing a high C in the shower but is that the same thing and it's like this weird frustration of yeah. like oh, I just need to get it out and like do it and then at the same time feeling like I don't I, I don't know how I can't I can't do it and it's like I can do it yeah. but it's so interesting that dissonance <sighs> and that, that yeah so, that comes up it's just yeah. uh, being having it's a funny. human brain is so exhausting it's like <laughs> yeah. it's not made for us to be happy it's not yeah. made, for, it's made for us to survive it's made for us to survive yeah. it's, and it does not want us to be uncomfortable right desperately does not want us to be uncomfortable and it's also from childhood from experiences from trauma from little t trauma yep. big t trauma has really made us want like please don't leave the cave right. that's like all our brain wants right. to do is right. like don't do anything out of our comfort zone but like everything's out of our comfort zone because yep. we live in fucking new york city yep. and we're trying to be or we are musicians and singers and artists and songwriters and friends and lovers and and vulnerable and making new friends and being on the subway with a million people oh, like it, it's Jesus. it's <laughs> we put ourselves in a very unique position but when it happens it's so rewarding and i it's not like an addiction but it is just like it's it can a, manifest that way though it, at times. It can, but yeah. and but but maybe <laughs> think, it's a healthy think, addiction. I don't know. Yeah, and for me, <laughs> I'm like possible. I'm like performing or singing, and being an artist or being like a 
I don't even think we have the capacity to be like rock stars anymore. Mm. At least like that's not really a thing we in the music industry. You can't afford no. that unless right. your parents fully support you. Right. There's no way. I feel like you could be or you're like a TikTok viral person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm how sh- that's how that happens. Maybe. Now. Um, yeah. I'm like sober and ignorant. And I'm like, there's no way I can do drugs and like have a nobody does that can do drugs and have a great career. I'm sure oh, there's plenty of people. Oh, oh I, I see like what you mean. Living on the edge as like in an unhealthy. Uh, yeah. As kind an of, artist and right, just right. doing that. It's all too the time. expensive now. I was going to say <laughs> you can't. Uh, it's, I, yeah, yeah, it, it's really it's hard to be expensive. able. Yeah. To do to just do that all the time right. and live like this night. 90s New York City Lower East Side mm. artist grungy life. Right, like, I don't think that's a thing anymore. Yeah, no. I mean, when I moved here, I was like, oh, I really like, I really love living in New York. I love living in Brooklyn. I really like living in New York, but I love Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But when I moved here in 2017 from DC, I was like, oh, I missed it. And that's okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> I missed New York City. I mean, even in the 2010s, you know, like it was a different scene. T- 2007, maybe. Totally. Was there. Like my, my <laughs> husband was like in bands and like touring in like, you know, sort of like 20, 2013, 2012, like yeah. that kind of moment of like the sort of like electro indie pop mm-hmm. rock kind of yeah, thing like that Shins. was like when we were in college kind of yeah yeah like MGMT yes. like that kind Animal of Animal Collective yes. yeah he was in uh, in bands and with bands and our he you know we're friends with a group of people who were like touring in that scene and like in the Lower East Side doing shows in New York and just the way he talks about it he's like it's just yeah, it's a, it's that moment is over. Like that was a different moment. We are yeah. in. I mean, and also social media was not what right. it was. What it is now. So it's mm. yeah, it's totally different. And in okay, so in all of that of uh, of you being human and ah, yes. of you, but you're really you're in the exact right place. You're even beyond a place that that I would really like to be. You you are giving yourself space mm. to to tap in and to be open and to touch base with your muse. And you're noticing like, I'm frustrated with whatever, with the distractions. Like, I think that's a really incredible place to be. Yeah. And something I really strive for and I'm striving to get back to. And also how, what's your spiritual practice? If you mm-hmm. have like, do you have a morning routine? We, before we got on here, we talked a little bit about meditation, but mm-hmm. like, what are you kind of reaching for that's working or maybe not working? Yeah. I, I'm definitely reaching for more mindfulness and embodiment practices all the time. It's something that has been impactful in my life through experience in my actor training and like the breath and voice work that I did in my MFA program and how that impacted me. Come on, grad as school. A pro- I know, God. Come on, grad school. What am I doing with it? No, she I'm doing all this stuff. homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like having like a breathing class for three years is really powerful as a human being and as a creative person. But now as I'm getting older, I think I'm just getting more serious about like, oh, I, these things have already integrated for me and they show up in my life in ways that I would say are not necessarily intentional. It's just like in the way that I exist throughout Mm -hmm. my day. I've never been great at a consistent morning ritual or a consistent practice. I always kind of ebb and flow. And I think I've learned at this point that that's just okay. And that's how I am. But I do think that as I was saying to you earlier, you know, I'm, I'm starting to kind of yearn for, as I yearn to deepen my creative practice, I'm also yearning to deepen my spiritual practice Mm. and get more serious about 
making commitments to spending time with those tools in more formalized ways. So I would love to kind of pursue um, like a meditation retreat. I, I have read some books on Buddhist philosophy in the past year and I just really connect with that. I think this is why the Rick Rubin stuff is speaking to me so much right now because it really combines that creative practice with that kind of spiritual practice and that way of being. Yeah. And I think that's really what my jam is yeah, ultimately yeah. in this lifetime. So yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's the answer is that it's just sort of evolving and I definitely can feel myself reaching for more formalized ways of practicing as I get older. And I also have, you know, sometimes I feel very compelled to just like go off the grid. You know, there are, there are moments in my mind where I'm like, I just want to go be a monk and like live in the forest. Yeah. And like that would be better. I should, <laughs> I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you bring that, you know, forest monk, you know, experience into the life that you're choosing every day. And, and, and so that's kind of my, yeah. my question right now. And it's really hard in New York city because of the sensory overload. Right. Like I think it's possible, but we just picked a particular. Well, that's why I stay in my apartment a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I really, I mean, I work from home and I, and sometimes I, I've gotten really antsy and I've actually had the opposite thing where I'm like, why am I not getting out more? I need to connect with people. I need to connect with community. And that's also coming up in like being a married person now and having couple mm. friends and kind of feeling like I don't want to get stuck in this like hetero married people who are sort of starting to think about kids. Like, is that just going to be my world now? And that's okay. <laughs> but also I want to be pushing to stay, you know, in, in a, in a sort of vibrant yeah. community and to stay connected to all kinds of different people. So memories fading so far away from me and oh so close that I can feel it on my skin. And I am craving who I used to be, but all the doors are locked up tight and she won't let me in. I want to keep talking about like inner outer life and being a creative, but I also would love to talk to you about your songs um, and your first song, Mina with an M, right? Mina or Nina? Nina. 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 Okay. Nina. Nina. Yeah. Nina. Um, did you grow up listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell? Yes. And Loretta Lynn? Not, not as much Loretta Lynn, although I love that you, okay. you, you called on her name. Um, definitely Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I heard in, in Nina mm. with an N. I'm mm -hmm. like, I can hear the tone, but I got the title wrong. <laughs> oh, and this um, is your, the recording from the, the, show. the show. Yes. The show. This is oh, the first song cool. that you did on the show. Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember um, you recorded that. Yeah. So because I was listening back to the song and I was like, oh, the, just the structure of that song, the way you sang it, I was like, oh, I, I feel, I feel a lot of Joni for sure in here. Um, 
and that was that question was going into like the lyrics and the song and the permission and all, all mm-hmm. that stuff that we talked about um but what re- remind me what that song is about about yeah. you or how you wrote that yeah that is one that i will say i always talk about as sort of like that one kind of just like feels like it landed on me like it mm. kind of just although i it did it did that after i sort of gave myself the assignment to write a more melodic like kind of I, I was I was giving myself the assignment to go outside my comfort zone in terms of writing on the guitar huh. and I was in a moment where I was doing guitar practice and like learning about moving around the neck which I've like since stopped doing and now I'm like back to being like damn I need more flexibility with this instrument because I'm bored um, <laughs> but I was listening to and sort of wanting to emulate uh, Madison Cunningham, actually. Oh my god! Who I'm totally. We, I feel like every episode with. we talk about her. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't even. She. Yeah, I can't even talk about how much I love. Oh my god, her new Madison album. Cunningham. If you ever want to do three songs in a very small venue at Pete's Candy Store, <laughs> oh my call god. me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, bitch. Uh, no, uh, I'm making money. She's fine. She's like, I just want a Grammy. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, no, she. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, she, I, I just really she's just someone that is so uh prodigious and like excellent at what she does and she's just on the level where i'm you know a lot of people i'll listen to them and, and compare myself or be like oh you know I'll, I'll almost feel that little twinge of jealousy that kind of drives you to be like oh well how am i different or how am i the same and with her i'm just like you are just like a beautiful marker in the universe for me to just remind me why i love art yeah like her album and her songs are they really are just so beautiful and so incredible well well formed yeah anyway i'm like i'm like i'm okay with just being a fan yeah like for for that person i I always talk about before like the difference between envy and jealousy of Mm. like jealousy you think something's going to be taken away from you Uh and envy is like oh i can have that you can actually go forward i have neither with her i'm just like she exists outside of that for me thank you yeah thank you here yeah same (laughs) totally hard same yeah but anyway the point being i was like really inspired by her songwriting and so i wanted to kind that that kind of helped me with getting out of my um sort of normal way of writing and just the kind of offbeat way that i was playing the guitar and all that all that jazz not that my guitar playing is in any realm near hers but that's okay um but so yeah the song to get back to your question the song was inspired by i want to write a song about nina from the seagull Oh, cool. The Chekhov's play. Yes. So because I've always seen that character, I've always related to that character in that sense of sort of being this very sort of charmed, privileged young woman who has this very idealistic uh, way of thinking about what it means to be an artist and is just very enamored by the idea of being an artist and then sort of is faced with the real- the harsh realities of the world and capitalism and relationships and has to kind of return to this place of childhood having having bumped up against all of that and kind of lost her way with mm. what it means for her to be connected to creativity and then that initial idea of that character sort of also transmuted in my imagination as women and femmes or you know people who have not who who have that creative all people really who have like we spoke about who have that creative spark and aren't able to find a pathway through which to allow it to come out Mm. and uh, you know and sort of are are trapped or finding resistance in 
the vestiges of their human existence that like prevent them from from being fully expressed. So that's kind of what the song is about. And then it also relates to that feeling we're speaking about of just the creative act and how Mm -hmm. even as people who are empowered as artists to, to, you know, to be able to make work and to be creative that we, that the human experience is necessarily one of frustration because we are bound by our human (laughs) reality. Mm -hmm. So it's about all those things. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. God, this human brain. <laughs> um, cool. That's, I mean, a really beautiful song and makes so much sense. You like, I don't know how you fit all that in there in one song, but I de- like, I definitely heard that. Like, it was complex and it w- reminded me of someone that I also love to listen to, but also was so uniquely you. Mm. Um, Thank you. And fuck, I was just going to say something else about that. Um, Wait, I had it was gonna be so <laughs> fucking revolutionary. Wow. Anyways, we'll It'll come back. We'll maybe. keep going. Um, because I want to ask you about your th- second song was proud, mm-hmm. and then your third song you started to you started to talk about that the song that got you and and your now husband together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a love song which I'm like always amazed by because I have no idea how to write a love song. Mm. I only know how to write it's really sad bummer songs or just like after something tough happened, then I write a song. So it's something I'd really like to do and mm. work on, but you never told us the story. Oh, wow. You well, left us on a big cliffhanger. The story is very, I mean, it, it, it could get very long. So I'll try to give you the nutshell version. <laughs> yeah. So Eric and I were sort of, he had come to a gig of mine. I had met him through a mutual friend who is a music engineer mm-hmm. um, who brought me in to sing on one of his tracks. And then I started doing some gigs with him. And then our mutual friend was like, you guys should write together. Cause he knew that he, you know, Eric was into like songwriting and stuff. And um, so I, w- I was like, great. And then we started texting about, so for a long time we were just sort of like swimming in the same music community and for how long like years yeah for like a year okay yeah like as friends and um and then I guess the summer of 2019 I was going to California and earlier that spring I had just done my first show of original music for the first time which was sort of right after that period where I was giving myself permission to Uh just like write a bunch of of shitty songs okay now I remember what I was gonna say okay but but keep going because I'll write it down okay um so I had just done that show and had someone record that and so he was like oh do you have recordings of your songs I'd love to hear some of your songs and I was like I'm just amazed that I even sent them to him because honestly I'm like wow that was I was so intimidated and yet I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to like, I want to collaborate with this person. Like he's very open. He seemed genuinely interested. So I sent him stuff and then we were talking and he was like, Oh, I really like some of these. Like I love Mm. this. And we were talking about it. And so then we were, we were starting to talk about putting together a concert of all of our sort of combined friend groups who were all songwriters and musicians to do like this big kind of benefit concert, which we put together yeah, um, and, and he was going to propose that night. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet, but, but that was actually kind of like our secret, like we're dating <gasps> coming out moment oh, where people so were hot. like, I think they're dating, but it like wasn't official yet. Yeah, it was, <sighs> it was fun. Um, so, but before that happened, we were planning it. We weren't really dating yet, but we were like starting to 
you know, collaborate, not kiss, not even kiss. Oh my God. The kiss will happen with the song. You'll see. (gasps) So I'm rushing. So so there was the concert. And then also he was like, let's write something. And we we got a date on the calendar to have like a writing session. And I was working on this song. I gave myself the assignment to write to a title. And I came up with the title late bloomer. And I was like, I want to write a song called late bloomer. So I thought of the title first. Yes. And so then I, I wrote a verse and a chorus. I don't remember. I just, it just came out and I was like, wow, I really like that. And so I sent him the verse and chorus and he was like, that's so great. I want to like help you finish that song. So at our writing session, we finished writing that song together and then like recorded a demo of it in his then apartment. And I was just like singing and he was, it sounded great. And I was like, oh my God, this is like my star is born Lady Gaga (gasps) moment. Like (laughs) that was like what I was just like, this is awesome. Like I was like, this is my life. Like I want, this is exactly what I want to be doing. And this person is so great. And we, I mean, we had been a little flirty at this point. I think he had sort of, yeah, he had already asked me out and we had sort of gone on a sort of date, but not really kissed yet. Um, (sighs) This is like, oh my God, this is like so Let the tension steamy. Anyway, so we did the the demo and then we were like, we ordered dinner and I was like, I was like, let's write another song. Like let's, we should work on something else. And then I was like, it's like 8.30. Like, let's just, why are, why am I trying to write another song? And then it was like, okay, are we, what are we doing here? Are we going to make out like what's happening? You said that? And then I spent the night. Did you say that? I did. You were like, what are we doing here? No, I didn't say, I said, I said, I think at some point I was just like, are Mm. we going to, I just said, like, are we going to kiss? Like, what's, what's yes. you know, I don't know. I just, because it was like obviously happening. Oh, and I was just like, all right, let's, let's just break the, break the, the seal here. You know, like yeah. this is too much because we were just both having such a great time. And it was so cool to like be writing together and recording this song. And yeah, it was, it was a great experience. That's so cute. It was really fun. That really makes me giddy. Yeah. I love to hear about love. Because <laughs> I know you're a Blossom on vine, and I've been spreading rumors that I'm gonna make you mine. Couldn't have happened any sooner. Wait for me, I'll wait for you, and I'll stick around while you figure it out. Just to watch you. forgotten to say but uh, uh something i noted is like i don't know if it's a pattern but something that's very cool that we happen to meet at this time that you are like reconnecting with like all right i want to get back into that space mm-hmm. is a story you said about late bloomer and also like having the title and then also being like i'm gonna write this about nina from the seagull and like Mm. it came to you Mm. like you you kind of gave your you're a very good student or like Mm, maybe like an assignment yes you gave your some kind of trigger like some kind of image yeah you gave yourself an assignment Mm -hmm. you like gave yourself permission of assignment to write this song and you were kind of like giving a a maybe soft 
um, container for it yeah. of like, it's, this is going to help me move around the neck or I have the title and it's going to be about that. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like it came really, really That's actually quick. a really good point. And it makes me realize that I should do that more because I think that makes so much sense. I always talk about like dropping in like the actory thing where you drop in text or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but the idea of like dropping in, you know, this sort of energetic container that you're, that you're setting up for yourself in which to channel and then not just being totally empty, but dropping in a title or a character or an idea that is like feels rich and exciting and interesting and not really knowing what that song is going to be. But like, yeah, dropping something into that container and then seeing what emerges. And actually that just makes me feel like, wow, that's a really good way to practice writing more songs that I should. And I, I already know yeah. that, but, but just hearing it reflected the way you just articulated it is really helpful. So yeah. I'm going to like, go back to that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You have that like gift that you're really good at giving yourself mm. and everyone's can be different. Like, mm-hmm. and it's so hard for me to see my own pattern sometimes too. Like I probably have something that like helps me. I think it's just like, something really sad or shitty happening but like I don't actually think it's that it must be something different but Mm. yeah I I I heard that in both of your songs which is cool so I'm excited Mm. to to hear what you come up with next thanks I am too yeah and actually I am in the midst of we haven't talked about this but I'm about to embark on like recording a full EP of five <gasps> songs that includes Nina and late bloomer. Oh my God. So I'm, I'm yes. I'm, okay. That's happening Fuck very, yeah. very soon. And the idea is to release it in November. So that's the goal. Cool. Um, you heard it here folks. Yes. Exclusivity. Well, <laughs> This was really fucking cool. Thank you, Emily, for for coming out to the studio, for being on Shan the Good People, the show and the podcast. And can you tell the people listening at home or in the car or in the shower where (laughs) they can, where can they find you on the socials and also streaming, all that stuff? So my artist name is Emily Jean Brown. And the tricky piece of that is Jean, which is (laughs) J-E-A-N-N-E. That is my artist Instagram as well. And uh, my website is emilyjeanbrown.com. Easy. I also have a Patreon. <gasps> oh, you do? We didn't even talk about that. That's okay. And I also have a coaching business, which we didn't really talk we about either, talk but about that's that. okay. God, we'll if you want to learn about, about the coaching work I do, my my Instagram for that is onvoice underscore. O-N-V-O-I-C-E underscore. And, if, and what kind of voice or coaching is that if people want to know? So I do. I work with clients on authentic and dynamic public speaking and leadership by connecting to their inner resources through embodiment work, breath work, and sort of self concept. Oh, I think I need that actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thanks so much for being here, Emily. Thank you. This was really fun. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in and we'll see you next time on Shane, the good people. Bye. Bye. Woohoo. Thank you so much for listening to this interview. 
If you liked what you heard, come out and see the show. Come out and see Shane the Good People live. We're at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. It's monthly. I don't know of the exact dates, but follow us on Instagram to see when we're going to be there next. It's at Shay and the Good People. Again, that's at Shay and the Good People, just like it's spelled. And I want to send a huge shout out and thank you to Nude Daydream Studios, JJ Allen and Irving, who captures all the audio from the shows. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.